Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. You're listening to Germ Warfare with Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. It's Friday, and that generally means on my show that I'm not going to be too serious. Uh, It has been a weirdly serious few days. I don't know if you've been following the uh, International Court of Justice. Uh, South Africa decided to try and take on Israel. I'll chat briefly about that um, with with John O'Sullivan, who's joining me in a moment. But I'm going to dive into that more seriously next week. For now, send me an email, germwarfare at tntradio.live. Jump into the live chat, all the usual stuff. If you are watching via Rumble, YouTube, X, it's a great pleasure to uh, to have you with me. Uh, Alex, I think it's Joel in the studio. Yes, Joel, and uh, and I will be with you for the next hour. All right, Alex, let's do this. My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. There's a lot going on, so it's important to stay informed and up to date. Get ready, because here we go. At the top, 30 minutes past and when it breaks. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. John O'Sullivan, welcome back to the trenches. Hi, Jeremy. Uh, Great to be back with you again. Looking forward to it. I was just chatting to you a moment ago about a recurring theme that I have been discussing on my show this week, and that is dress code to the theater. Now, I... Uh, as I told you, I went to the to the theatre earlier this week. Uh, when I say theatre, I mean stage production. I, I don't mean the cinema. And uh, my wife and I went to go watch The Sound of Music. Absolutely loved it. It's such a great musical. Uh, and um, Full House, Standing Ovation, all the usual stuff. But John, there were people wearing shorts and sandals and T-shirts with slogans on and whatnot. I, I don't know. I think this is disrespectful. I think, I think it's terrible. It's tragic. The theater is one of those last bastions of, of high culture, of high society. What, what are your views? Well, um, I used to go to, a th- to the theater a lot, Jeremy, when I was a younger guy, and I really enjoyed it. My wife and I, at least once a month, would go to the Haymarket Theater in Leicester, where we used to live, and it was a real grand occasion. Everybody dressed up. Everybody, you know, the women were immaculately dressed in, in very feminine, and the guys were dressed all black tie and smart. You know, it was like um, to me, it always reminded me of the Cannes Film Festival, where everybody was glamorous. You know, there was a sense of glamour. Probably the only time in your life where you, you other than going to a wedding or something like that, where you felt you, you could properly really go to town and, and look your best. And um, it's so lovely to see your partner looking the best. You know, as, as as a married man, it was a it was a buzz to see my wife looking stunning. And uh, you know, she said the same. She said, "Oh, handsome! I looked in that in a proper tie, in a proper shirt, and uh, jacket, and everything." And it's uh, we don't have that many opportunities, Jeremy, to make the effort. But but my, that's exactly my... right. Yes, exactly right. There are what there are maybe three times now that you're going to wear. Uh, a collar and tie or a beautiful dress and that's what what a wedding a funeral and i'm guessing the theater yeah and the thing about the theater is it's uh it's unrestricted normally you know i like the the intervals you know you go and have a nice drink in the bar and you, you kind of are on show you people watching you know and it's kind of social mix and uh i tend to find that most people when they go to the theater on their very best behavior and it's a cultural event it's uh Mm. Like high society, you know, you, you feel like this is the pinnacle of our society. You, you're celebrating something that's, uh, you know, the actors, the performance, the performers are really on their toes. They're d- doing their very best. 
And I think it's kind of an honouring them as well. I'm, I'm sure they like to see people yes, making an effort. Yes, exactly. You know, so again, I think it's all in keeping with the the event. You know, the the, the aura of the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, when we were watching uh, the play, uh, the orchestra, which was under the stage, I mean, we could see the orchestra playing. They were all beautifully dressed. The conductor was wearing yeah. a suit, uh, or at least the you know close to a suit. And okay, sure, there were a lot of people still dressed up, but I mean. It doesn't take that much effort just to dress up a little bit. I mean, the problem with society, well, modernity, John, I don't know if you agree with me, but there's this celebration of degenerate behavior, degenerate culture. We must always push everything downwards to the lowest common denominator. What happened to excellence? Yeah, I, I always remember um, when I was a young, young guy, young boy, uh, looking at the black and white films, thinking back to 1940s and 50s, where it was just normal for every man to wear wear a suit, mm. uh, every woman to wear a skirt or a dress, and they were stylish. You know, they looked great. Um, again, today, every, everybody's going around in jogging pants and the T-shirts, and I, I know why. I mean, I think one of the biggest impetuses to dressing down was the lockdown effect, you know, the yeah. pandemic. I think then... Um, I'm sure people just threw away the, their ties, you know, and stopped buying suits because you didn't have to go to work. You could, you could work from home. Like, ironically, you know, I'm sat here at home, Jeremy, working from home. Um, I've got a nice dre- dress shirt on, and I think it's appropriate. There are no other hosts on, on, the, on, on the channel, you know, other hosts on TNT. They wear a proper shirt and tie. Yeah. And I take it That's more great. seriously. I mean, you're probably the most casual, so... <laughs> You're not well, even I wearing am, a college shirt. <laughs> no, 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 no. But that's just also because I kind of got into the the, the vibe of wearing black just to kind of uh, n- sort of neutralize the colors a little bit. And also you can't really see the microphone in front of me, which which uh, it just became a thing, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, as you know, I used to be a school teacher. And when I mm-hmm. first began my teaching career, I was told you must come to school wearing a proper collar and tie and a suit. And um, nearly every school I went to, they wore uniforms. Um, over the years, that kind of uniform thing died away a bit because most families, you know, can't afford the expense of, you know, every year or two kitting out their children with more and more uniforms. So, but again, it, it, it's been a resurgence. Ironically, Jeremy, I go driving out during school hours when the schools are opening or closing and you see all the boys and girls coming out wearing proper school uniforms. And uh, it's great. Um, it partly is the um, idea of identifying with a group. And I like the idea of identifying with a group. Um, mm. com- it, you, you feel like you're part of a team. There's that, that kind of thing. I'm sure the military, the subconscious thing in the military is if you all wear the same uniform, you're part of a cohesive exactly. unit. That's a great comment, so, actually. I mean, imagine if, the, imagine if soldiers started wearing sandals and shorts. Well, it might go that way, driving their EVs, Jeremy, into battle. It's, I think it's coming in with the current administration in America. They'll all be having their safe space in their tank. Yeah. I like this comment here. Uh, hang on. Wait, uh, here it is from Michelle in Florida. Dressing like homeless people became vogue during the grunge culture in the 90s, and we never quite came back from it here in the US. I think that is right across the West, actually. And that's, a great, that's actually a really great point. I mean, uh, someone said the other day, um, it's amazing how, was it, I think somebody sent to my wife, why do people spend so much money to look poor? Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think it's from the top down. I think it's because the mm. uber rich, you know, the billionaire class, they want to be seen to be fitting in. And I think they like uh, 
you know, it's almost like virtue signaling. They think they can put on their ripped jeans and the, the tatty shirts and, uh, you know, un, unironed and un, unkempt look. And uh, it, it just kind of makes them part of the, of the crowd. And, and I don't, yeah. the leveling down mentality is, is very much like the socialist thing, isn't it? Leveling down, not leveling up. Yes. And I think there's a yes. political aspect to that as well. Exactly right. I mean, yeah. You notice most, most conservatives I, I work with or talk to, again, they're always very impeccably dressed, men and women. Um, but yeah, the more left wing, the more likely they are to wear just a tatty T-shirt. Yeah, there's a correlation between being a communist and looking like a hobo, and <laughs> and being a let's say a capitalist and <laughs> and being ele- um, elegant. <laughs> yeah, if, if you noticed, I mean, a corollary to that was when uh, the communist China became less rigorous about their grey uniform code, and they allowed people to express themselves. And um, they didn't just rush to wear tatty T-shirts. They're, they've actually got very stylish dress dress codes. And uh, same with the Japanese. You know, I, I see a lot. Maybe it's a cultural thing. Maybe it's a Western phenomenon. But in the mm. Far East, I think there's a lot of reverence and respect for people who make the effort to to dress well. I think so too. Um, I I find that. I mean, it's okay. Some people get offended by this kind of conversation. They'll say something like, oh, this is, this is very superficial. Why does anything like this matter? Well, then you can say the same thing about diet. You can say this is all a lifestyle and this mm-hmm. is all about branding and it's about how you present yourself. And it's about mm-hmm. people taking you seriously. If you, if you dress like a surfer or you dress like a Marine, I can guarantee you that if you dress like a marine, people are going to take you more seriously. It doesn't matter what it is. Although, yeah. although these days, maybe maybe not a US marine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The other thing is, Jeremy, if you go into a hospital and you kind of expect a dress code, you know, you, if you're going on mm. the operating theater, you know, going in for, for surgery, you don't want to see your surgeon wear tatty jeans and a t-shirt. You want them to look really respectable. And obviously they, they wear the gowns and everything. And it's very formal. I mean, subliminally, we, we do kind of, that's kind of a code that these people are respectable. And it's true for every aspect of society. Anybody in a very formal job, like police, for example, you don't see police officers um, looking looking shabby. I, I used to be married to a police officer, and uh, good God, I mean, they used to have to iron their shirts with a crease down, down the side. Mm. And, uh, you know, very, very strict. And, and I think it gives a good public image because it shows you care. Yeah, and I like this comment from Singsby. Um, says, yeah, skin-tight pants. Uh, well, I mean, look, so yes, the thing, right? <laughs> John, I don't get, I don't get women who wear active wear. All right. So they, have you seen them in the, in the shopping malls? They wear, they wear these, uh, it's like active wear. It's like something that, that they wear to the gym with, with sneakers on. Uh, no, <laughs> Yeah, I, <laughs> just, just, uh, just don't do that. <laughs> no, it's again, that that's a slightly different kind of, uh, tangent there, because I, I think that the, the idea now is, is a lot of women to dress more and more provocatively because men are not approaching women anymore. Uh, I keep picking mm. up on feeds on YouTube and so forth about the dating crisis. And I think the reaction to women not being approached by men because of the Me Too movement is they are up in their game. And I think the, the goodies are on display more, you know, the tight-fitting clothing, the lycra. Nothing's left to the imagination anymore, Jeremy. And again, I think that's part of the mating strategy. You know, it's quite normal in nature you know for the peacock the peacock mentality you know dressing up you know, when, when you've got yourself on display and you're looking for a mate you make the very best effort to look good and uh yeah tight fitting clothing i think that's the thing i've noticed more with women it's every woman now 
And again, it leaves nothing to the imagination. Sometimes, Jeremy, it's a real turnoff. Other times, you quite like it. I don't. I, I don't want to get too deep into that one, Jeremy, because I'm a regular gym goer, and I, <laughs> I quite like the idea of lots of young women dressing, you know, looking good. And uh, yeah, no, it, but there is a difference. Criticize. No, I know what you're saying, John, but there is a, a difference, and and I think we all know what those differences are. This is comment here saying uh, uh, they'll wear skin tight pants but they're a size 30 and I mean this is the thing this is a this is a problem with I would say sort of this cultural Marxist degenerate society that modernity has brought about um, and that is the celebration of mediocrity it's the celebration of being fat of being unhealthy uh, you know everybody is, is making TikTok videos about how fat they are and how how what does a phrase I think that Cosmopolitan once said um, what fat fat is beautiful i think or something like that mm. no it's not it's not mm. it's unhealthy and it and you'll get diabetes and you'll have a horrible death yeah also that ties in with the lack of objective reasoning that the the idea mm. that it's your truth uh, your your idea of aesthetic you know your your only aesthetic and uh, ironically this idea to be alternative as well you see a lot of people young people who want to be alternative and yet by trying to be alternative they all look the same so again, uh, I think again, it's people who don't quite really think it through, um, kind of finding trying to find an identity. I think the whole thing is uh, there's a malaise in society, a lack of uh, direction, lack of purpose. As we know, Jeremy, Gen Z is the most unmotivated generation, that the least employed, the the ones that are more worried about their health or, or you know, not really having, a, you know, we're told to worry about the climate crisis and the amount of young people I talk to, Jeremy, who think, well, what's the point? We're all going to die in five years anyway, so th there's no point in making an effort. But having said that, um, although I sound like I'm, I'm really slam dunking on, on, on fat people, and I am to some degree because I think it's, it's a bad place to be and you can turn it around. It's not, it's not something that's you know, unavoidable. It's just, it's just what you're basically consuming. But when I see fat people in the gym, I find that very, very inspiring. And, and I think that that's great. I'm not, I've, I think I've told you before, I'm not very impressed by, by, you know, uh, guys who look like Arnold Schwarzenegger in the gym. Mm -hmm. They've been doing this for years, but it's those yeah. people who are overweight, completely unfit and are, and are taking the step in the right direction by going to the gym. I think that's great. Well, you, you've nailed it, uh, and this is the time of the year. You know, January being the the month of New Year's resolutions. I, mm. as you know, I'm a regular gym goer, and, and my gym has been just rammed past week or two with, as you say, people overweight. You know, who have uh, plucked up the courage to you know get their tracksuit on or whatever, and just come and do something. Just just move, just move around, just yeah, and exactly. not worry about what people think because, frankly. Jeremy, most people in the gym who keep fit are not watching the newbies and they're not laughing at them at all. We're just all doing our yeah. own thing and keeping your head down. I got a friend uh, who <laughs> he's, he's, actually, he's actually been on my show and he, and he said this on my show <laughs> and it's true. I've, I, I know, I know this. He's got a, he, um, the front of his house, he's got a, his, his front door is a double door. So there's it's one and two, right? That opens from the center. <laughs> he's got a rule that if you cannot fit through one of the, the openings, you aren't allowed inside the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
to me, it's true, Jeremy, the amount of airline companies who are concerned about the obesity epidemic and uh, passengers who can't, can no longer fit in those narrow seats. Exactly. Um, and it's a business, you know, that, I mean, the, the heavier the aircraft, the more cost in fuel and everything. And John, yet yes, exactly. Sorry, but I don't want to sit and I've done this and I, I think we've all done this. I don't want to sit next to somebody on a flight who's, who's, whose stomach is in my seat. Yeah, yeah. The other thing, if you notice the rise in sales of SUV vehicles, the vehicle whose who's stomach is in my seat. Yeah, yeah. The other thing, if you notice the rise in sales of SUV vehicles, the vehicles that uh, accommodate the very uh, fat and infirm, where you know the, the ride height is higher. So when you step into the vehicle, you're not having to get down. And when you get out, you don't have to stretch so much. So again, the, the I think it's one of the biggest sectors in growth for the car market is the SUV market. And I think it ties mm. in very neatly with this concept of getting fatter and more unfit. Mm. Okay, on that note, <laughs> I just quickly want to go to, to a break, John. <laughs> my, my name is Jim, this is TNT. You should hear what Charlie Robinson is talking about. I think once we saw the supply chain issues uh, that happened during the COVID debacle, you go, well, that seems bad for the, you know, when you're fighting somebody for toilet paper, but it could be worse, right? It could be the last can of food. So people are starting to reevaluate and reassess their situations and their relationship with supply chains and the like. And I think what that does is it leads you to a place of saying, how can I make myself less dependent on the system? It's kind of hard to know where to start, right? Where would you suggest we even begin with this process? Yeah, it's funny you said that because someone said to me recently and it made me laugh that this is going to be the kind of collapse where the Burger King's still open. I, I think that's what's probably lulling people into a false sense of security in that everything when we go to the city kind of appears normal unless you're in one of those really crazy drug adult cities. But for most people, I would say, Charlie, it feels normal, but it ain't normal. <laughs> the world yeah. is not normal. It's completely gone off kilter. Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Sometimes life can be overwhelming and suicide may seem like the only way to relieve the pain. Beyond Now is an evidence-based app created by Beyond Blue to help you cope when suicidal thoughts start to appear. You can use it to create an easy-to-follow plan that is personal to you and includes steps like know your warning signs so you can act early, Make your environment safe by removing harmful items, activities you can do or people you can be with to distract yourself from suicidal thoughts, reminders of things that make you feel strong. Some of these steps might be tough to fill out, and that's okay. It can be helpful to make or share your safety plan with a trusted friend, family member or mental health professional. You might feel like you're alone, but help is available. If you're worried you can't stay safe, Use the red telephone icon to call your emergency contacts. Download the free Beyond Now app today to create your personal safety plan. The conversation continues. I don't believe it, and I think that's a terrible position that I am in, that I don't trust my government. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Yeah, so Michelle in the comments makes a very a very good point. She says 75% of weight loss is diet and not exercise. That is absolutely true. Uh, you know, you can you can eat a terrible diet and you can spend three hours every single day in the gym and you're still not going to lose weight. This is why a lot of people who you see running or jogging are overweight and they can jog for years and they still won't get in shape. And that's probably because they are you know, consuming the wrong food. 
I talk about this a lot with Tim Noakes. Yeah, I totally buy into that because, again, mm. as I said to you before, uh, my son is a semi-professional powerlifter and he's very switched on to the concept of eating mm. properly. Um, and when you have to meet a weight restriction for competition, again, if you if you lose weight too qu- quickly, you lose strength. Um, so, again, you've got to have a healthy eating pattern. And and, and the, the key is not just eating, but sleeping, rest, you know. Exactly. The three keys for any exercise program, and you've got to be mindful of all three to have a really balanced life, is um, mm. the least important, as you say, is the exercise. I mean, it, we focus yeah. on it so much, but um, when you go to the gym, you're not building muscle, you're tearing it down. You only build muscle due to your nutrition and rest. Most people don't get that concept. Yeah, exactly right. And this is the thing also that people often forget about. And and that is, you can talk until you are blue in the face about the globalists and about Agenda 2030 and about sustainable development and about the central bankers and about how, how Bill Gates wants to depopulate the world and all these things. You can, and we do. But what are you doing on a personal level to buffer against that are you just are you just basically consuming fear porn and sharing it on whatsapp or are you doing something about it i personally believe strongly in doing something about it which includes things like uh getting off medication you know using less pharmaceutical drugs for for anything really uh eating better getting in shape Mm. spending more time in the sun etc etc these are these are tangible ways that you can actually not be beaten by uh, them. Yeah, and as you say, I think you said Tim Noakes. You know, that even with the best will in the world, you're going perhaps going to an authority figure that's discredited. Because most of us, I mean, like myself included, for many many years, relied on the fake narrative that uh, you should cut back on um, the traditional diet. You know, cut out dairy, cut out meat. Like meat is going to give you cancer. That that nonsense. Yeah, yeah. And um, we were told to eat um, low fat food. And uh, the trouble is when you buy low fat food, they add more sugar to, to improve the flavor because it's essentially most food, it's the fat that actually can, uh, retains the flavor. So I think, it's, yes. um, again, we're learning, aren't we, that things have been turned on their head. Um, the idea re- really, I think, is to go back to traditional food, tr- traditional diets. And, uh, and Yeah, and this is a great way to get in, in shape is just changing. And also, by the way, if you're eating healthy, if you're sleeping right, as you pointed out, if you're getting an, enough sunshine, and you're basically doing those, those core, those core winning strategies to improving your personal life, right? You also think better, you know, you, yeah, you strategize better and then you, you can, you can retain information better. You just generally have a more purposeful, meaningful, valuable existence. Yeah. It's the thing, the idea about thinking better is when you exercise and mm. eat properly and rest properly, you're, you're oxygenating the brain and the brain thrives on oxygen. You know, it's, it's the key uh, ingredient for mm. thinking, for, for t- turning your thinking skills. One of the things I learned as a school teacher is you don't want to have all the windows shut. You know, you've got 35 mm. kids in the classroom, you open those windows, you get the oxygen in. Too much CO2, you know, we exhale four or 5,000 parts per million. CO2 is um, kind of a, a drug in itself. It will make you feel mm. dopey. It'll make you feel uh, soporific and tired. Uh, that's why we yawn. You know, the yawning process is, itself is a process of trying your body naturally trying to suck in more oxygen. And without that oxygen, Jeremy, you're not going to think very clearly. Yeah, I like this comment from Singsby saying that our brains need protein, and that's very true. I would add to that and say our, bro- our brains need saturated fats. I eat, John, a lot of saturated fats. Like, it's probably one of the biggest parts of my diet is, is fat. Um, and it doesn't make me fat. And that's, right. that's, the, 
That's the irony. The 80s brought about the low-fat fad. You know, uh, fat is bad for you. It will increase your cholesterol. I must have cholesterol that's through the roof. I don't care because cholesterol is not a risk factor for me or for anybody, actually. No, uh, in fact, more is better. The ironic thing yes. now is there's yeah. a body of scientific evidence coming through. And again, it's still open to debate. Science has never settled. But the body of evidence is suggesting, not for everybody, but for, for a good many people, that high cholesterol um, is optimum. Not you know not low cholesterol. Um, mm. I think the general consensus now forming is that high sugar is bad, you know, and too many carbs. You know, more protein is great. More fiber is good. Um, and again, I, I I've gone back to eating a lot of, lots of butter. I I cut out butter, Jeremy, to eat margarine, and that is the worst garbage you can eat. It's uh, people have said it's one one um, component, one chemical away from being uh, plastic. You know, yeah. it, it's just not the thing to be eating. And also vegetable oil, again, a vegetable oil, not healthy. Go back to the old-fashioned yeah, way it. of using olive yeah. oil, using a coconut oil, avocado oil, or lard or tallow. Yeah, exactly. And in fact, when, I mean, I don't, I don't actually consume fiber, uh, almost never. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not really a fruit eater. I think fiber is overrated. I don't, I don't know so much about the importance of, of fiber, but I certainly... I certainly do consume a lot of protein, a lot of fat. My carbohydrate intake is generally fairly low, yeah. and um, and I uh, basically I think the only carbohydrates I get for the most part, you know, is from vegetables. I'm talking now in the general scheme of things. Obviously, it's a difficult kind of lifestyle when you go out with friends or you know that sort of thing. But but I think it's a good it's a good goal to have. Funnily enough, I'm I'm becoming more aware, Jeremy, of avoiding eating out too much because again. Mm. Uh, it's the industrial processing of it all, the, the additives, you know, the idea that they're not choosing the, the best ingredients. And I, and I think with the economy being the way it is, uh, restaurants are feeling the pinch. They're cutting back, you know, shaving off costs on the on the on things like ingredients. And, and again, I'm wondering what what what's going into that food. Uh, home cooking, exactly Jerry, right. to me, tastes better as well. But as you know, John, I uh, I'll, I'll take my rifle and I'll go hunting. So I I do have. Not much meat left in the freezer, but I'd still have some meat left from my hunt last year, and uh, my next hunt is coming up in a few months' time. <laughs> yeah, lovely. I know you love to hunt, and I'm very much in favour of that with your culture. Um, for me, being a city boy, there, there's no option to hunt here. We don't have guns. That's all banned, and uh, <laughs> there's, there's, there's not the abundance of wildlife. <laughs> I, I, I've told you the story, but when my wife and I were in Amsterdam a few months ago, <laughs> we went into, uh, I, I think I've told you this, but we went into an outdoor store, an outdoor warehouse type, type shop, whatever. <laughs> and, uh, and I said to her, let's see what guns they have here. And we went in and it was just clothing. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah, yeah, in South yeah. Africa, it's, in South Africa, if you go into an outdoor store, uh, you'll find guns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um, very much like I, when I used to live in New York, upstate New York. Yeah, you go into a, a normal outdoor store, you know, and you, you mm. see racks of guns, and you, you and people were there, you know, even young kids, you know, were looking at the guns. The dad was showing the, the son the gun, and you know, it was uh, it was kind of an alternative universe because in no way in my lifetime, even as a young boy. Could you ever go into a shop and see people looking at guns for sale? It's yeah. all kind of hidden away now. It does exist, but again, it's all for those who are specialists, like farmers who have shotguns. It's not a big market anymore at all. Um, I love the comments uh, uh, about 
cooking. Cholesterol is not the bad thing. Um, and, and I think, again, you know, as we said earlier, this is very true. People fear the wrong things. In fact, in fact, this is a great segue. I think a big part, John, of being unhealthy is fear. And yeah. the establishment is constantly pushing fear on us in every form because it's a great way to control society and to keep people unhealthy because stress is a major major vector to 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 bad health if you if you're constantly fearing viruses and pandemics and you you're fearing climate change and you're fearing uh, i don't know chemtrails and you're fearing this and you're fearing that you will forever be a victim and you'll forever be enslaved you have to break out of that mindset of fear you have to win that's that's the end of the that's that's it you have to win yeah this is the one of the key maxims of military training basic training is to get the recruits used to fear handling fear because when you it's well known jeremy under under stress um whether it's a crisis or your know, war or whatever your um the stress levels uh, are, are kind of reducing your ability for critical reasoning it's mm. well known if somebody panics the panic occurs due to moments of stress and then you, all of a sudden you're not even thinking with a level head you, you do something to make it the situation even worse so again this is why emergency services and so forth they do a lot of repeti uh, repetition in training because again you've got to have that muscle memory to get through that moment and again the politicians are not stupid jeremy they know to scare us mm. um, it takes away our sharp edge. We're not so aware of the fact that we're being conned or lied to. We, we're too busy dealing with the reaction to the stress. Exactly right. And the problem also is that we have become addicted to consuming fear. You know, we will sit and scroll through everything that Bill Gates wants to do and we'll scroll through what the WHO is, is doing next and we will share it with everybody in our in our telegram or whatsapp group uh, look at what they want to do now what look at what they, so as my wife said to me the other day okay what are you doing about it yeah you, you've got to uh, tell yourself Jeremy that my, my philosophy is you've got to watch less of the media it's hard to do because you want to know what's going on but I, I think it's, as you say, it's propaganda to a T. Mm. Again, I, I remember I watched a lot of war films as a kid and I remember watching the propaganda films that were released in the 1940s during the war. And they were very clever at galvanizing a mentality to all think as one. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think they ever stopped using propaganda. I, I think the same people who use these skills during the war in government thought, well, this is such a useful tool. Let's keep on using it. And... Uh, no, it, I, I just think it just carried on. I don't think it ever stopped. As we said before, Jeremy, the CIA you know, with the media. Mm -hmm. And I th I'm sure in the, here in the UK, I, I truly believe that most people in the mainstream media, one way or another, they're, they're signed up to the to the government. You know, they're doing the government's bidding. And uh, it's tragic, really, isn't it? And again, people always think that the PSYOPs happen over there. It's just geopolitical. You know, the, we know the CIA are involved with Ukraine and the CIA is involved here. Okay, but are you, have you ever thought that perhaps what you, excuse the pun, fed in terms of your diet, do you not sometimes think that that's a PSYOP also to keep you unhealthy? You know, from low fat to having yeah. um, sugar in everything, to having corn syrup in everything, you know, uh, low, this, yes, the, yes, the one that, that I laugh at, you know, uh, calorie free or low calorie as if this is somehow any better you know i'm gonna have coke zero like what it's a, it's still coke it's still bad for you 
yeah, again, I, I can't help but uh, reflect back on my teaching career. We had we were advising children you know, not to bring all these high sugar snacks to school because we knew after lunchtime they'd be up the wall. You know, you just couldn't teach mm. them. They were energetic, they were hyperactive, and uh, the concentration levels went right down. And uh, diet, you know, you are what you eat. They, they, it's an old maxim, it's an old uh, saying, but literally, you are what you eat because effectively, whatever you eat goes into your, your bloodstream, goes into your brain. Mm. And if it's nutritious, you know, you're, you're optimizing your, your body's ability to deal with reality. And the thing is, if something like cream or butter or anything that's high in fat really were uh, a, a fat-inducing, you know, um, food, I would be fat by now because I consume a lot of it um, and I don't get fat. But I certainly feel terrible if I eat a lot of sugar. I do. I get a momentary high. I might be okay on a real high for half an hour, an hour, then I get a crash. Um, it's just the reason why type two diabetes is an epidemic and it's the one type of diabetes that you can actually cure. And I've had family and friends who are either diabetic, type two diabetic or borderline. And I noticed the mood swings, Jeremy, the mood swings are appalling. You know, I, I think I have a lot of sympathy for, for, for females because at the time of the month, they, they're craving chocolate, whatever. And they get into this frenzy of just, you know, sitting in a couch or, and just, you know, indulging in the most extreme forms of unhealthy food and uh, as a man i think we're lucky uh, maybe we're lucky we're, we tend to be more on a level um hormones are the factor as well aren't they Jim? hormonal influences that hormones are in the food you know they put hormone growth hormones in the, the beef you know, as we know every time you go and eat um, shop-bought meat you, you're buying uh, animals that are being processed with hormones that, to, to to make them grow faster and, and bigger so it's a, the way Don't of the world isn't it do you know how to make a hormone? <laughs> I've heard that. Don't one, pay Jamie. her. Don't pay her. <laughs> Don't pay her. <laughs> I'm so, glad you gave I that punchline to me. No, you know what? You know what? On TNT, we are not bigoted. We don't know what a woman is, John. So please, let's just let's just right. stay away from the, the the male and female discrimination. Well, fortunately, Jeremy, because I specialize in the scientific side of uh, programming at TNT, I, I think I might have somebody qualified. I'll try and bring him on the show sometime. But uh, again, if you're qualified to, to, to say what a man or a woman is, you know, it, it's, it's getting ridiculous. Common sense is gone, hasn't it? You know, the, the ability to do your own thinking. Uh, we're always you know, looking for the experts to tell us what to do. Uh, we're dumbing down. I think our IQ levels are going down exponentially. I, I, I just can't believe that... Uh, um, like they're putting on labels on the food, like uh, on the packaging, do not eat, like, do not eat the packaging. Or like uh, <laughs> one great one I saw was on, on the petrol pumps, uh, the petrol station, it says do not insert in mouth or anus. You know, it's getting that <laughs> stupid now. It's, oh. <laughs> uh, the other one, the other one is caution wet floors. Although to be fair, sometimes you, sometimes you can't see if the floor is wet. But I mean, like you can see the, the lady, she's mopping, you know, in the shopping mall or wherever it is, right? And you can see it's wet. And then she puts that little that little yellow triangular sign on the ground that says, "Caution, wet floor." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they have. I mean, again, it's like a battle of wits, isn't it? Because you've got the uh, the litigious people looking to make a claim who walk by that sign and you know accidentally on purpose have a bad fall and, and they're putting a claim in for like several thousand. Uh, so it's like it's a tit for tat kind of thing. You know, businesses have to cover their ass, and you know you, you know that there are always scammers out there trying to rip people mm. off. 
you know, McDonald's famously paid out you know, millions for people who've got scalded by hot coffee. It, it, you know, it's insane, isn't it? You go to McDonald's and buy hot coffee, you've got to be careful. I actually did that once upon a time in a McDonald's. Um, I, I actually got a, a mate of mine to film me. Um, I, wanted to, I just simply wanted to see what McDonald's would do. So I went and bought a, a bunch of, this was years ago when I still ate McDonald's. Uh, I bought a bunch of things and uh, they had a caution. I think they had one of those caution wet floor signs. I wanted to see what would happen if I, if I fell by the sign. So I, I made myself trip uh, and I fell on, on the floor at McDonald's and my food and soda, everything just flew all over the place. And of course, everybody jumped and got a fright and the staff came running out. <laughs> and all that happened was that they were extremely kind and we just got a whole bunch of new food and they, they just made sure that, <laughs> that everything was fine. <laughs> I yeah, literally made yeah. myself trip and fall just to see how they would react. And they reacted as, as I expected. I mean, there was nothing dramatic about it. The other thing though, is talking about signage, you know, the, these yellow, uh, triangular warning signs to a slip and fall. The other thing, the most insane thing, again, if you remember that they're still around, you can see these keep six feet apart signs. In some shops, they never remove them. And you've got all these warnings about um, wash your hands and all this insane stuff. You know, and people follow that nonsense. And again, I think people like us naturally want to switch off from that. And, and I, I do do tend to ignore signage like that. And uh, it's a fine line, Jeremy. Some things you can't ignore, like, like do not enter on a road, you know, that kind of signage. You know, you don't want to go down a one-way street the wrong way. Uh, I got, I got caught. I got, got caught. I got pros not prosecuted. I got a fine the other day for going into the city of Bristol, which is quite a, an hour drive for me. I went to visit Bristol on a shopping trip, and it's a low emission zone. I didn't know it. In the last six months or so, it's become a low emission zone. And I got a letter in the post the day after, finding me £180. I think, what for? What have we done? I just drove my car normally. But apparently there, there were signs on the road saying, you know, this is a low emission zone. But you know, they catch you every which way they can, don't they? And uh, at the moment in Wales, we've got the 20 mile an hour restrictions. You know, everywhere, it seems like everywhere now is it's forcing you to drive at 20 mile an hour. And if you drive a regular car like I do, um, car's not designed to run at 20 mile an hour. It, it, you actually have more emissions, not, not less emissions. So for the clean air idea, it, it's just absolutely nonsense. Mm. Um John, I'll be back with you in a moment. Let me just quickly jump to a break. My name is Jeremy. This is TNT. Here's a bushfire fact. Bushfires can occur without warning. So if you're traveling during bushfire season, here are three simple steps to remember. One, check the fire danger rating before you go. The higher the fire danger rating, the more dangerous the conditions. It may be safer to replan your trip. Two, Think about the area you're going to and what you would do if a fire started. How would you escape the area if you needed to? And where would you go? Check if there's a neighborhood safer place. Three, it's dangerous to drive through smoke or fire. If you can't find a way to avoid the fire, park in a cleared area, face the car towards the fire and turn the engine off. Then lie on the floor and cover yourself to protect yourself from radiant heat. Live bushfire ready. For more helpful tips, visit myfireplan.com.au today. Internet crimes against children in New Mexico are real. 
And when it comes to protecting your children, the New Mexico AG's office and the ICAC unit are on the front lines. I'm New Mexico Attorney General Hector Balderas. There's nowhere to hide for online predators in New Mexico. We are working tirelessly using state-of-the-art technology and resources to seek out and find them wherever they are. Please talk to your children about the dangers that exist online, social media, games, and messenger apps. It's always important to know who you're talking to. Help fight online predators in New Mexico by submitting a tip today. You're listening to Germ Warfare with Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Uh, this comment here uh, in the live chat, it says, um, doctors get upset lately if you have questions, uh, especially if you challenge their expert status. Uh, that actually is true, hey John? Yeah, and I think I've been doing that more and more. I um, never used to question my GP. I used to think they knew what they were doing. But I think, again, being uh, active in the science community and being quite an adept researcher, I think, and also a little bit hypochondriac, you know, got a bit of a hypochondriac. I like to check everything and uh, I'm always mm. online. Uh, and one occasion I went to my doctor about uh, what I saw was a growth on my hand and um, he couldn't work out what it was. And I told him what it was. <laughs> and he said, um, wow, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> um, yeah, I had um, what's called Deployton's contracture, which is a typical Irish, a Celtic um problem when you break a break a joint in your in your hand and uh, it forms a lot of um uh, extra growth and the growth is not it's completely benign but a very interesting talk with this doctor who said he made he agreed with me that we're now in an age where you have to do more research yourself because frankly the nhs in the uk is is collapsing and you don't have the medical care or the treatment that you you like to have and you know, almost by necessity, you're having to take on more of investigation yourself. You, you, you're trying to educate yourself. And um, part of me thinks it's a good thing, but part of me thinks it's uh, we're losing um, the trust. And, um, you know, you and I, we're skeptical, aren't we, Jeremy? We, uh, You know very well what's been going on in the climate nonsense, the, the pandemic nonsense. And as we say, people, most people just follow what they're told by the authorities. People like us who question Again, I don't know if it's all linked, but maybe this criticism of authority might link into the fact of people looking scruffy. I think people are confused. You know, is society beginning to collapse? You know, the, the systems, the structures, the way they used to be. There's not the reverence that there is. It's, it's kind of going out the window now. Um, cohesion in society is breaking up. You know, I see people kicking off with the Gaza thing. You know, People I didn't used to agree with. Um, there's a guy called Owen yeah, Jones who writes for the Guardian, the Guardian newspaper. I, I about I stopped reading the Guardian newspaper about ten mm. years ago because it's just pure left wing nonsense. But Owen Jones is a, an incredible journalist. Um, again, true lefty, but his uh, reporting on Gaza is phenomenal. Uh, the guest he well, interviews, amazing. Well, I mean, since you since you brought that up, let's just quickly touch on that just briefly. Um, as you know. At the International Court of Justice, South Africa has legally tried to take on Israel, and uh, South Africa gave its case yesterday, and uh, today Israel gave its case. What What are your thoughts, John? Yeah, the key thing I picked up on that because I mean, I got a, I'm not a lawyer, but I've got a bit of legal background, and I noticed that the International Court of Justice is not the same thing as the as the International Criminal Court. Um, the International Court of Justice has no jurisdiction whatsoever to rule on genocide. 
the genocidal crime can only be properly heard and ruled on in the ICC. However, um, the ICJ, which uh, these barristers, these lawyers are doing wonderful work, is also a good platform to get the message out there because it's a proper legal forum. And the rules of evidence being what they are, the bar is set pretty high. Um, lawyers being uh, held to an oath of office, their lawyers are actually um, officers of the court. They cannot knowingly present fake evidence, otherwise they'd be struck off. So you noticed, I noticed the tone of the two, two lawyers. There was the Irish lawyer. I saw her presentation, submission, and also the South African lawyer. Two amazing presentations, two great lawyers. It was moving um to see the powerful simplicity of, of the factual arguments that the laying out of the mm. numbers these are numbers that are, cannot be refuted because again in a court of law you cannot present fake numbers and the numbers like 10 children a day 10 children a day in gaza are having limbs removed without anesthetic you know there are 150 plus women giving birth every day in gaza with no proper basic care uh, again, it's scandalous. It's shocking to me that a lot of my friends who are, you know, on the same side of me on the issues like climate and the fake pandemic, they, they've got a blind spot when it comes to Israel. They, their loyalty to Israel is irrational, Jeremy. And, yeah, uh, this is the thing, John. Uh, this is what I'm trying to wrap my around, and I'm going to try and wrap my around this over the coming months. Um, I think a lot of this stems from uh, Zionism and by extension, Christian Zionism, which is a very strange thing. It is, it's massive in the United States, millions and millions and millions of, of Christians are Zionists and openly so. I think this stems from something called dispensationalism. Um, it's a, it's, it's a very, it's a very intense ideology. It has nothing to do with, with the Bible. It has nothing to do with Christianity. It has nothing to do with Judaism. It's this weird kind of, um, as you point out, this blind support for anything to do with Israel. And if you if you challenge it, you're an anti-Semite, John. Yeah, and the shocking thing is, I've been following um, a few uh, journalists in uh, Germany. Germany, as you know, the the home of the Holocaust. If any nation truly wanted to correct history on the abuse of, of the Jews and anti-Semitism. It is Germany. However, um, they are leading the way in clamping down on Jews who speak out against Israel. They're mm. accusing them of being anti-Semitic. Um, I cannot get my head around that. How I, can you accuse a Jew of being exactly, anti-Semitic? Yes, yes, exactly. And to add to that, I'm not an anti-Semite. I have nothing against Arabs. People exactly actually that. forget. People forget, John, that uh, Semitism is is a broad reference. It's not just Jews. It goes all the way back to Shem, who was the son of Noah, which includes mm. Arabs. You know, uh, and so there's a whole series of these languages across the Middle East that includes, well, they're, they're known as Semitic languages. Mm. But this term has been hijacked only, only to reference um, Jews. It's not. It's not correct. No, and uh, they argue, the, the, the fair argument is that a lot of um, um, Arabs who are Muslim were, in yeah. fact, if you go back far enough, originally Jewish. They were compelled to convert to Islam. As you know, there's a, the, the warring uh, the, between these different Abrahamic religions has just been going on interminably. It's ne it never ends. And uh, I think the, the biggest bugbear we've got, Jeremy, is any kind of religious fanaticism, because it, who killed the most people in history? I, I don't believe it was the Muslims. I think... 
as we know, the war, the Christian wars, wars fought yeah. in the name of God. The first thing you see is um, for God and country. Again, all wars are for God and country, if you notice. Yeah, exactly. And I, I must just point out, because I've said this a few times, I don't stand with Israel. I also don't stand with Hamas or Palestine. I take no, I'm not a Jew and I'm not a Muslim. I have no dog in this fight, so I will not take sides. I will, however, criticize the Israeli government for what it's doing. It is absolutely vile what the Israeli government is doing to the Gazans. It's disgusting. And, 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 I, and I'll go as far as to say that it's, there's nothing, there's nothing honorable about what the IDF um, is, doing, is doing in Gaza. I mean, it, they sniped. They sniped a Christian mother and her, and her daughter just outside a church in Gaza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I follow, I try and follow people who, who have military expertise on this. Because again, when you don't know yourself who to turn to, I look at both sides of the story. I look at the mainstream uh, experts, those on the BBC, CNN, Fox, whatever. And I look at those now who've been outcasts. Uh, Colonel Douglas McGregor, for example, or Scott Ritter, former mm. UN weapons inspector. Uh, they're, they're two figures I think are credible. And I like to compare their analysis with that of those on the mainstream. And you know, watching Douglas McGregor and Scott Ritter talking about the situation, you'd think you were looking at a different story altogether. Yeah. Um, yes, Ritter, exactly. Ritter and McGregor are making it clear that Israel's already lost the war because by their own by their own uh, standards, their their idea was to go in there and wipe out Hamas. That was the objective to win the war. Exactly right. And yeah. quite the opposite. They're not, Hamas is growing. The amount of and international also, support is phenomenal. Yeah. And the other thing also is how. How in, in, in the name of sanity can you say, I stand with the Israeli government? This is the same government, John, that injected its, its population, right? Israel is one of the most vaccinated countries in the world. Mm. The Israeli government doesn't care about its citizens. It doesn't care about anybody other than itself. There's no way in hell I will ever stand with that. Never. Yeah, I have colleagues, Jeremy, uh, mm. Yoki Magopian, he's a regular on TNT, Yoki Magopian, former West Point military graduate, army officer. Uh, he's joining the dots and he's saying that the, these elites in government, not just uh, in, in Israel, but especially in the UK, and it is a triangle, a nexus of the, the trilateral kind of group. You've got the U, UK uh, operating out of London, city of London. Um, in America, you've got Washington, D.C., and, and you've got Israel. Um, in, in the Knesset, uh, you've got these people who all, by and large, are you know acting with using the the fake narrative that they're doing the, like, the progressing democracy. Mm. They're doing the absolute opposite, Jeremy. And not only that, they're actually doing damage to, to cohesion. They like to divide and conquer. You know, they are yeah. setting Christian against Jew, Christian against Arab, Muslim. Um, it's of uh, course to heading World War Three, and I think the only people who are sane. I, I, those are calling for peace and there's no call for peace in the uk parliament both political parties conservative and labor are not calling for a ceasefire never have i known in my lifetime you know a united yeah. front that's warmongering a complete warmongering yeah exactly uh so i will say this though uh since it is friday i don't stand with hamas but i stand with hummus <laughs> <laughs> I like humor, Jeremy. Yeah, yeah. I think people have got their humor. I mean, I like the fact um, a lot of sporting celebrities, a lot of comedians are trying to find you know some hope, and, and you've got to have hope. You've got to have kind of an up uptick yeah. to it. And 
like we balance it you and i through this show and we've been quite light-hearted because how mm. the hell do you cope with all the negativity if you don't try exactly and have right. a kind of mm. i call it gallows humor you might know it yourself gallows humor yes you know, it's something that's dark um, it's dark, dark, and I and I and I go that route myself. It it sustains me. It's uh, <laughs> just the way it is. Yeah, and I mean, look, we can go on for hours and hours and hours talking about Israel. I've got lots of opinions on this. I don't really share my opinions too often, um, but I do think that I'll say this: a mother and her child, no matter which side of the border they're on, John, do not deserve a missile. End of story. No. No, again, the, the, the false narrative, the, the straw man argument I see a lot of my friends on the right put forward is that uh, Hamas is using human shields. Then they're using women and children as human shields. Um, that's wearing that's very propaganda. thin now. Yeah, no, that's propaganda. propaganda. That's, that, that's not real. No. no and the, the, and the, the beheaded babies, the beheaded babies and putting them in ovens and all, that's also all just Zionist propaganda. It's to yeah. create an enemy. It doesn't wash with me, Jeremy. I've seen it before. Mm. And I think I like the fact that it's uh, the International Court, it's South Africa and Ireland leading the way. And two nations that have had the brunt, the history of being persecuted. You know, it's true that colonialism has severely affected South Africa and Ireland. And I think, you know, the finger points at the UK. The UK and the US, they are the nations that really have prospered. And it's not the people of those countries, Jeremy. It's the elite. It's the self-serving elite. Yeah. And uh, they are lying through to us about everything. And uh, again, I, I, I tell people, what about U.S. liberty? And they say, what U.S. What's U.S. liberty? Mm. And I say, in 1967, Israel attacked the U.S. liberty and killed about 35 sailors. It was a war crime as a false flag. And I said, don't you think it's possible that October 7th may have been a false flag? It played into the hands. Who benefits? It was uh, a false flag, I think. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Netanyahu mm. was uh, facing, he's actually currently undergoing criminal proceedings in Israel. Um, but for the fact that the war started, I think um, Benjamin Netanyahu would be in jail. At the very least, he'd be disgraced yes. and out of office. Yeah, exactly right. Okay, well, listen, we are coming in for the last uh, last couple of minutes. So let's uh, let's bring it in. Let's bring it in, John. Um, let's talk about your your show. Yeah, um, Sky Dragon Slaying is uh, every Saturday. Uh, it, it's every Saturday at nine to eleven a.m. on, on Eastern. Eastern. It's uh, three. To, uh, sorry, two to four London time. Um, we've got two guests tomorrow. Two interesting guests. A regular one guest is Gloria Moss, Professor Gloria Moss, talking about the crisis in academia. Again, it's a current theme. It's an interesting theme. Our other guest is Chris Almeida. He's an entrepreneur and business guru telling us how we, his ideas for coping through the recession. So it should be an interesting uh, show, Jeremy. I'm looking forward to it. John O'Sullivan, as always, uh, thank you for joining me in the trenches. You're very welcome. Loved it, Jeremy. Good fun. Yeah, it's great fun. And by the way, uh, uh, go and have a glass of wine, but just one glass. You don't want to overdo it tonight, John. No, moderation, definitely. <laughs> and make sure to have some saturated fat. <laughs> I will, and eggs. <laughs> All right, thanks, John. And uh, thank you to Alex and Joel uh, for, uh, for for keeping the show going. Send me an email, jimwarfare at uh, tntradio.live. Thanks for everybody, to everybody at least, who has been chatting in the live chat. It's been a really, really 
a great conversation. We covered a lot of ground, but it really is the typical Friday chat. Monday, I will be joined by Vanessa Beely. It's going to get serious. We're going to be chatting about what just happened in the International Court of Justice between South Africa and Israel. Whew, that was a mouthful. But for now, on behalf of Joel, Alex and myself, it's been a pleasure. My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the Battle of Ideas.